0: Welcome to Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS, covering the world of mapping and location technology.
1: It's a potential minefield trying to decide how you should build your spatial application. Let's assume that you've actually decided to build one. This is episode 21 of Location Matters, and today I'm joined by Paul Farrell and Richard Bentley to talk about what goes into making a great spatial application? So I'm going to start with you, Paul. First of all, how do you even know you need one?
0: The first thing I will say is I'm not sure there is a thing called a spatial application. There's, there's applications with spatial capability. So, um, so um, there's applications that don't have spatial capabilities, applications that do have spatial capability. So, but it all comes down to what the, the, the questions or the problem you're trying to solve. Um, that's, the, that's number one. And if the question or problem that you're trying to solve doesn't have a spatial element, well, it probably doesn't need any spatial capability. But if the problem you're trying to solve um, has some fundamental spatial um, uh, questions in there, then I, I can't see how you're going to do it with, without spatial capability.
1: All right, well, let's assume that you do need one, an application with spatial capability. Is it worth building your own from scratch or should we take something off the shelf? How do you know? Oh, I think you've...
0: Well, the first thing is you define what the problem is and if there is something that is off the shelf that can do 80%, 90% of what you need, you'd be crazy not to get something off off the shelf because um, it sounds easy to build your own application but once you have built that application, you're responsible for it and you've got to maintain it and that can be expensive. And uh, uh, you, need, you need to ask the question, are you really in that game of, of building your own applications? So um, I think by, by far the first thing you would do is you'd you'd, build, you'd buy something and you'd customise on top of that if, 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 if you needed to, but make sure 80%, 90% is covered by a, a product off the shelf.
2: I think, yeah, following on from what Paul said, I think understanding what your requirements are Is crucial. That's you know gathering what you need to, to do with that data. Now, Paul mentioned you know location uh, being one of the the key elements there. Um, Sometimes people don't understand that uh, the the things that they're trying to model or look at, the only key or foreign key, like in database language, is. Is location, and that's the connection between all of the elements. And if you if you've got that, or you need to have that in your system, then you've got a location based system. I mean, Paul and I have both uh, been through building spatial applications ourselves, and building products, and and thinking we've you know we're going to you know make money while we sleep and things like that. But the the truth of the matter is it's very expensive to, uh, you know, build a product, uh, support it, and to evolve it as the operating systems and, you know, the technologies change and evolve. Um, So, yeah, I'd say commercial off the shelf with, like Paul said, customisation over the top. If you can't do that, then there may be elements that you'd need to build small standalone applications for, so you can sort of, um, you know, translate that information so it's accessible in the commercial off-the-shelf product. Once you do have
1: application, you know, that has spatial element to it, do you think you need your own in-house capability? Is it worth going to a consultancy? Do you just rely on the vendor? What What do you do?
0: Oh, look, as an owner of a GIS consulting company, I'd say, <laughs> of course, outsource the lot. <laughs> But no, the reality is I think you need to look at your, 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 your circumstances and, um, for example, if you're, you're a project, it's not a service, it's gonna, not going to uh, go on ad infinitum, um, I think you really want to strongly consider outsourcing it because it's something that's going to start and it's going it's to finish. I think even if you are go- a longer-standing project or service, There may be elements that you keep in-house, and I would call them um, client-facing generalists, but there might be specialist tasks you want to outsource because it's very difficult with one or two people to get every bit of capability you need. And just like with any company, you you have a finance function. But you don't have tax specialists sitting in that finance function. You you get them in when you're required. So it's the same thing. So I th- I think best practice is a blend of in-house resources and bringing in the experts as required.
1: Richard, I mean, it's almost like you could train people up who have already got skills and, and give them that extra GIS edge, couldn't you?
2: It depends on where uh, where a project is in its life cycle. You know, we've worked for clients where they're not sure where the project's going to go ahead, so they don't want to gear up with all of the staff to support that that function internally. And as the project becomes more mature, they start to transition, um, you know, sort of like an NGIS out and look for, um, you know, specialists that, that work within that industry to work with them moving forward. So they've got consistency. But on the flip side of that, Sometimes uh, outsourcing it gives you that consistency because you're interfacing with a business like NGIS, and we provide that service. And whether you've got high staff turnover inside your business, this is the, you know a consistent thing. And we've seen it. We've seen it with our development teams as well, where the consistency is the uh, the outsource component, and we almost hold the knowledge for the business, which is which is a little bit of a worry, but it's a consistency. You know, only if we went out of business would they be in trouble, which, you know, is uh, a far from likely uh, scenario for us.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really good point. And I've got, I've got, we've got clients right now where they've, they've had uh, a strong internal capability. I won't name no but they've, they've had a strong internal capability and we've been sort of a, a bit of an adjunct. And then in the last six months, that capability has disappeared for whatever reason. Just just gone off to different. And we are now the capability. So if we weren't involved or engaged, that client now would be in a huge amount of trouble servicing its clients. So it's almost a risk mitigation play to have that blended internal external because it gives you continuity of
1: service. So when you are going to build a um, you know an application of some sort, you look at the Technology stack that's available, it's very diverse, it's very deep, and then there's all sorts of questions to ask around what sort of data do you use, what sort of platforms do you use, how do they link together,
2: how do you even begin to choose where to start and what to go forward with? Look, we've seen uh, in a lot of different clients, you'll... You'll get um, you know one or two agitators inside the not agitators is a derogatory term but agitators to you know to get GIS you know rolling at an enterprise level, and they'll be wedded to a particular technology. And if you're wedded to a technology, then you'll ask the vendor to do the assessment, and you'll get the vendor's recommendation. Um, so we we sort of play basically across. A whole bunch of different vendors. so we've got access to, to most of the major GIS vendors. So that, that gives us a, some impartiality as well to understand what actually suits the business. from really you just need CAD or you know you do need an enterprise system because you're managing you know very complex uh, situations. So I think um, you need to understand what's already in the business what the capability of the business is and where they want to go in the future. Uh, And all those things go together to give you sort of like a a wish list of, you know, uh, capability, future state, uh, sorts of things, and you can use that to drive... The type of, uh, I suppose, uh, full stack that you need inside the business. And it might not be a full stack. It might be you need one ArcGIS or you need Cardo Online because it's just a very, you know, it's just a simple thing that you want to do, but it, it wants to be distributed easily, you know. So it, it just depends on what the, um, you know, what the need is. Totally agree.
0: It all comes down to uh, a few things. It comes down to that thing we talked to at the start. What, what's the problem you're trying to, to solve? That says, that's number one. What's the problem you're trying to solve? Uh, number two is look at where you're at, um, where you're starting from. Do you already have some sort of spatial capability or, or technology in there? Or do you have none? Um, look at the capability of your people and then from there you make a, de- make a decision. But you, you are right. It's incredibly incredibly uh, complex and there's a lot of vendors who'll say yes i'm the solution i'm the solution i'm the solution i think you need to really sit back and look at look at the problem you've got and then go okay what's the right right solution and wherever possible start small you know don't you don't have to buy everything up at once let's just Just buy the little bit that solves the pointiest problem you've got right now and just see how we go. And you might be surprised. You might go, hey, we can push this to the nth degree. I didn't need all that stack of technology I
1: thought I needed. I'm quite happy with this little bit here. Um, And let it evolve. So, Paul, you've probably made more mistakes than most. Uh, what are yeah. some <laughs> what are some pitfalls that people have to avoid when they are, you know, going down this track? And yeah. you know, what are some red flags that people can look for?
0: Yeah, people say you're either winning, or you learn, and I've done a lot of learning over the
1: years. And Richard keeps
0: reminding me about that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, pitfalls. Uh, look, let's leading on from that. I think a big pitfall is is over-investing in the techno- technology to start with and under, under-investing in the implementation and training and embedding and change management. So if you have $100,000 to spend, um, it a big pitfall is to say, right, $100,000, go out, and of course a vendor is going to say, yes, spend it all with me and uh, spend five or $10,000 on training. So, so in ninety five. Ninety ninety five thousand on software, and then what happens is you disappoint people because you've got you've, you've spent all this money on technology, but technology doesn't actually deliver any outcomes. It's it's everything you do with the technology. So I'd say spend less on the technology and more on devi- defining the solution, uh, defining uh, defining. Uh, what it's going to mean for this successful implementation of this, and and putting some uh, investment and time aside into making sure it's it, it's embedded well within your organisation. So you know, instead of ninety percent of the budget, maybe it should be twenty or thirty percent, and the rest is spending on embedding it. So,
2: yeah, I think in, investing in. Um, or identifying a champion within the business. It always uh, assists uh, us when there's a champion inside the business because we can we can talk through them to the business. They can explain, you know, from uh, tech speak what, what we're trying to do. So I think, like Paul said, uh, training is something that's always missed on budgets. Um, you know, it's not training the people that are using the software directly. It's training those people up that that don't know what they don't know about how they can use this product or how they can drive, let's call it, the GIS team within an organisation. So I think there's there's a lot of that change management that needs yeah. to go on as well. Um, I had another a couple here, which is the cost of maintenance, You know, it's not just a one-off cost. There's an annual cost uh, if you want to stay, you know, at the latest version of a particular piece of software um, or if you want to keep it on uh, a server stack with the operating system, you know, know, paired up. And also that uh, that external support, having some money set aside for, um, you know, we can't do this internally, it's too complex for us, and have a bucket there that they can then just... Um, engage whomever it is to actually do that that you know highly specialised piece of work or the piece of work that can't be done with the software that they purchased originally, and then that that stops the thing that Paul was saying. You know that that uh, that air of disappointment when people go, oh yeah, we're going to do all this modelling, model and then push it all to the GIS team. The GIS team go, wow, uh, weights of evidence, don't know anything about it, fuzzy logic modelling, nut. Nah, uh, I can do a bit of binary. Um, you know, modelling but that's about as far as I go so after that um, I'm stuck so they need to have a, a, a you know, pressure release valve and that having some money set aside for that or a resource allocated helps out
0: a um, couple more I had proof of concepts I actually think they're really really important and they will help with that change management process so I would say before you dive too deep Um, engage someone to do a proof of concept for you, which you can sell and and discuss within your organisation. But remember, the proof of concept is a proof of concept. And it really should be, uh, at the end of it, crumpled up and put in the bin. Because I've seen so many proof of concepts go, oh, we'll just just eke it out and turn this into a production system and it ends up in disaster. So proof of concept, but throw it away and, and, and start again. And, the, and the, the last thing is um, user experience. Uh, our industry is traditionally very bad at providing a good user experience and, and focusing on the, the uh, UX side of our solutions. So almost consider that as a separate process working out once you've defined what the problem is, is defining a good UX experience for the, for the people that are going to be using the system.
1: All right. Well, let's assume that someone, after they've listened to all this, still wants to go and um, build a, uh, an application that uses spatial technology. Where would you point them? Which direction? You know, before they actually get in touch with the vendor and get them in the room or, or with a consultancy, what should they look at?
0: Look, I'll be really uh, brutally honest here. If you're going to spend eight hours doing research on, on spatial applications and all that, I'd say don't. I would say spend those eight hours actually thinking about your business and thinking about what the problem and the challenges you have right now and define it really, really well. And then go and speak to some people. Go and speak to the vendors. Go and speak to people like us. But you're going to speak to them with a, with a, with a, with a framework in mind rather than doing all this research. It's, it's complex, but there's people out there like us and others who can help you. So I would say if you're going to spend eight hours crawling the web so forget about that actually spend eight hours actually defining what your your problem is within your business
2: yeah sure and we can we can actually help uh, help in that process as well sometimes you don't know what you don't know as you know if you're starting out as, and you know it's a very juvenile sort of experience um, so we can you know lead a workshop if needed to to you know tease out what it actually is that Uh, needs to be undertaken or what the business needs and where it wants to go in the future which is important you don't want to you don't want to buy something that that, uh, pigeonholes you without any uh, ability to do something different but if your business is not changing like you're a courier company that's doing the same thing every day the problems don't usually change Um, so you know then it's not so important, but if you're you're a company that's growing or or it, it's a it's a moving feast as to what that business might be doing, then it needs to be some uh, more flexible outcomes. So I think like Paul says, yeah spend that bit of that bit of time you know amassing your thoughts and getting a framework that you can start to um, if it's not said it's never heard sort of thing, so you don't it's a learning experience in itself to actually get it out there. And uh, I think it's it's a well worthwhile uh, project to do. Is that that workshop approach? Get some notes out of it. Um, going to the vendors is always a Kind of a little bit dangerous early on because you'll fall in love because there's lots of candy in the store, lots of shiny red balls, and and you know you will have signed up for lots of stuff you possibly don't need. Um, so having a framework can say, okay, well I really don't need that or I don't need that. That's kind of something that I might need, so maybe put some money aside for that later. But you know, like Paul said, proof of concept. Um, you know, get some traction, get some momentum going and, uh, and then see what the next stage is for your development.
1: Well, thank you very much both for joining me today on this episode. If you want to subscribe or hear more, head to our website or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher.
0: You've been listening to Location Matters. The podcast from NGIS, covering the world of mapping and location technology. To find more episodes, or to read our blog, check out our website, ngis.com.au